This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room, Vincent Infante. It's good to have you here. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. Yeah. Look, I, I'm excited to have you on here. Uh, as I was talking about before we hit record, I've had the pleasure of interviewing both you and Jason on Entrepreneur way back when I was with Entrepreneur <laughs> Magazine. So it's it's really fun to have you here, man, because it's just one of those things that makes me realize how what, what I've been doing and how much time has passed. And so in the spirit of the show, one of the first questions we'd like to kick things off with is, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs? Hmm. Sort of, but not entirely. My my dad has a private practice for psychotherapy, but he's also always held two other jobs uh, as a as a dean at a school and then at a hospital as a director. And my mom was a teacher full time. Got it. Okay, and I and I do recall that specific thing. And you yourself stepped into the same line of work as your dad. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. I followed in his footsteps to start off my career in mental health. Now you took it a step further though and started turning which. And I, I've said this a couple of times on the show, and I know Jason has heard me. I have personally, it's funny because while I need all the help in the world and all the mentorship in the world, I'm usually <laughs> that person for the people around me, right? And so I always told people I would never be a life coach unless I had like some kind of psychotherapy background to really solidify the profession, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and I love that that's what you did because you have that background, but you also help business owners, Right. And so I, I want to know how you got into that specifically, because you could have just had a perfectly successful and happy career doing psychotherapy. So what made you want more? Sure. Well, I realized that like modern psychotherapy, uh, it's it's good, but it's also at some point relatively ineffective. Modern day psychology and psychotherapy is taken on the role of doing cognitive behavioral therapy, mostly mainstream. And it's cool. It helps with anxiety. It helps with depression, but it has its limitations. And a lot of it's really focused on like people's past and just kind of sitting there for a while. And I had started growing disenfranchised. I was in the field for about 10 years before I started making a switch. And so I had really been curious, like who's getting the best results? How are they getting the best results? And and there has to be more than this. And I started looking up coaching and I felt, you know, found uh, Tony Robbins and I started looking into him and seeing how he was getting results. And I was like, okay, this guy's doing something. So I started then shifting and pivoting to check out life coaching and studied my, and got my coaching certification under Tony Robbins training program. And then I started saying, well, this is really cool too, but this seems to be just really focused on the future. So I started coming up with this idea of like, what if I combined the different modalities of therapy, mentoring, and coaching into one practice? And then started putting that out in the world. And the way I started getting into uh, working with entrepreneurs and business owners was just because of the fact that I worked with everyone and anyone. And the people that I got the best results with and the people that I worked the best with and had a lot of fun with tended to be these 
high-performing individuals that were already achieving a lot, but knew that they're still another level. And then that's where everything really started taking off. And it wasn't easy though. I will give it that. Starting off with entrepreneurs coming from a therapeutic background, I did terrible. Like my first executive client fired me and she was just like, you can't help me. And I was like, damn, that sucks. And and it was (laughs) true though, because entrepreneurs are so different than your average nine to five person, right? Like Nine to five person will sit there and they'll just be like, da, 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 and you just be like, okay, okay. And you kind of process it with them. But the entrepreneur is going to go, da, da, da. now give me answers. Now tell me which steps to take. And I was still in this therapeutic background of like sitting there with the entrepreneur and they would just be firing at me. And I just be like, hmm, hmm. And then they were like, what do you, what good are you? And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I really got to learn how to do this better. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so, funny. <laughs> so I had to start really figuring it out. And I did. And then I started getting a lot better into it. And then I started working with startups and C-suite execs and, you know, founders of companies and uh, just small to large cap businesses and venture capital firms and everybody really. And so it got really exciting and uh, I got a lot better at it. Nobody really fires me anymore. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, I can't thank you enough for being so open and honest about, you know, that, that part of your journey, because it sounds like if you're going to be operating at that level with that many people, do you also start to take on some of the things that happen with entrepreneurs, like losing all the hours in your day? And now you, you know, you want to spend time with your family, but you don't have business and systems and processes in place. Cause most coaches that I've come across, that's the one thing where that's the biggest challenge because, you know, it's hard to, you have to be there. You are the product, the service, right? And some people go one route where they get a bunch of coaches under them, kind of like Tony Robbins did, right? And tries to turn it in that direction. But some people have a different vision. So it's twofold what I'm asking in, in the sense that, uh, what does it look like in terms of systems and processes for a coaching business for yourself? And is that something you're working on now or have you solidified that? And do you struggle with any of the things that most business people, entrepreneurs struggle with, which is uh, they're learning how to take control of their time because otherwise their company runs them. And that's a big struggle for many. I imagine you're very familiar with that is that's sure. probably what most people who are your clients come talk to you about how they can't seem to get out of that. Sure. Yeah. That's actually like one of the biggest things I help my clients with is stepping out of being operators and into being people developers. Because that's that's how you scale a business, right? If you're still the main source of operation, you're never going to scale because you only have so much energy. You only have so much time. So I've definitely come across that as well. Now, I've been running my coaching practice for four years. Uh, Before this, obviously, I've been in mental health for over 10. So I now have like 13 plus years of combined experience here, but running a business was very different. And I did what I believe every business owner does when they first start is we take anyone who will work with us. We will take any meeting at any time, any message at any time, any call at any time, any email at any time. And I did that for about two, two and a half years. So that was one of the biggest things that started getting me uh, high sources of referrals because I built my whole coaching business off of word of mouth and referrals. And I was always that guy. It's super reliable. And I still am. Now I just have different boundaries, right? I've also realized I can't be an effective or good coach if I'm not grounded myself. If I'm skipping days in the gym, if I'm missing my journaling time, if I'm missing my self-education, if I'm missing all the things I'm telling you to do, I'm two things. One, I'm a fraud. 
right? Let's be honest. I can't even do the things I'm telling you to do. Why would you do it? Right. And number two, I'm going to be run down. How am I supposed to listen to you and really hear you? Not just listen, but like really hear what's not being said. How am I going to have the energy and the ability to pay attention to the body language and the things you might not be doing or saying so that I could even give you a higher level of service if I'm run down myself? So I had started realizing once I really got things into a good flow and a good rhythm and I developed my system and I developed my strategies and I developed the things I'm going to teach and the things I'm going to do, then I really focused back on me. And once I did that, my income increased, my clientele increased, and all of these things increased, I believe, because I was sharper. I started getting better results, quicker results. My clients were feeling the effects. It it just comes full circle because when you develop this, everything out here, everything else just changes because the external world is merely a reflection of in here. So if you're having trouble making more money, you're not valuing something in yourself enough to allow you to see that you're capable of earning more, right? If you're having trouble gaining control of your time, you're not valuing your time enough. You're probably living in a scarcity mindset, or you're afraid that somebody will leave if you don't give them that immediate response to text messages. So I think it's it's really that balance of learning that there is a good way to step out and also learning how to just value yourself more so that you could be more, right? Because a leader's role is to be the visionary, be the creative, see the path that isn't there. And you can't do that if you're in the trenches. I like to give an analogy, like make a little joke, right? If my if if you're the leader of a company and you're in the trenches with your guys, you can't really do strategy. You could lead the charge and it might be a little more effective. Your men are going to be a little bit more uh, stronger, have a little bit better morale because you're there in the trenches. But if you're up on the hill instead of in the trenches, you could actually get a better view of the battlefield. Now you're going to know it's coming from all angles. You could prepare your team and your men way better than if you're in the trenches. Being in the trenches is noble, but it also keeps you clouded. It's It helps. Uh, it doesn't help with clarity. And that's really where you're putting yourself in a bad position as a leader. That's required at the start. Like help your men dig the trenches, but then get out and go watch the battle from the hill. Give better direction. Man, I mean, you're definitely speaking to something that Jason could, has lived for over <laughs> two decades. Uh, and it's funny because he's not only a serial entrepreneur, but also has the background in the military and also yeah. does not do email. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Don't Talk bother. about boundaries, right? <laughs> Love Don't it. even bother. Don't bother. If you're not in my space, I ain't talking to you. <laughs> and it's and it's important because right? because you're right uh because even even getting inundated with emails that maybe aren't directly immediately necessary for your attention as a visionary as a leader of the company like you should have somebody looking over that as opposed to yourself right it yeah. just, so it depends on the size of your operation and what you're doing so i think these are all really important things that anybody who's listening who who is an entrepreneur can get a glimpse of sort of the kind of work that you're doing with people because we only touched the tip of the iceberg with some of the things like we made it clear that one of the things you do work on is that whole setting the boundaries and honoring your time and stuff. But in your work, have you have you found consistently any core patterns that people come to you with? Is it because you work all all over the world, right? It's it's not just like on the East Coast, like people work right. with you online and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been pretty fortunate thanks to the uh, pandemic that people yeah. started being more open to online. And I've worked with people in Australia. I've worked with people in Bangkok. I have people in in uh, Belgium. Like 
people are everywhere and uh, all across the U.S. too. So it's been really, really cool. And have you noticed any discrepancies in terms of uh, problems that leaders are struggling to overcome or get past? Regard, like, is there is there a pattern regardless of where someone's living? It's just something that you know for entrepreneurs or for leaders, this really is a challenge that many face. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think one of the most interesting things is that humans are not as unique as we like to believe we are. Like, <laughs> if I had everyone in the world <laughs> just line up and 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 I put a box in front of everyone, there would basically be the same five or six things in each freaking box. And and it's just because that's how humans are made, right? We have an operating system out of uh, trying to fulfill our human needs, right? We, there's human needs hierarchy, that's Maslow theory, et cetera, right? But a lot of entrepreneurs tend to struggle with the same issues as well. They tend to struggle with time management. They tend to struggle with trusting their team. A lot of entrepreneurs have this vow, this this view that like people should care about their company as much as they do. I'm I'm always so perplexed by that. Like I can't. I can't stop doing everything. Why? Because no one's going to care as much. Of course they're not. They're nine to five employees. You pay them a salary. They're not making as much as you. It's not their damn company. Like <laughs> people yeah. have these high expectations. And I think as entrepreneurs, one of the things that I see through and through is we have trouble managing our own expectations. We are such high performers. We want so much out of life. We're always go, go, go. Let's achieve the next level. Better mindset, better body, better bank account. Doesn't matter. And then we see people around us and we're like, why are you lazy? You only work nine to five. <laughs> you only burn 200 calories in the gym. What is that? You're not eating grilled chicken. Why? Like we, oh, we put these crazy standards on people. And so as entrepreneurs, I like to, I like to give out, it's one of my favorite quotes by Marcus Aurelius. And he says, be tolerant of others and strict with yourself. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to embrace that a lot more. And a lot of entrepreneurs need to learn how to really just manage their own circle of mastery, right? Control themselves, build a better internal world, and really find that there's a lot more strength in, in just being grounded. And I think too many entrepreneurs get caught up in the day-to-day stuff. How do you define entrepreneurship? Like if, if you had to say, these are the basic requirements to be able to deserve the label of entrepreneur, because there's a difference between business owner and entrepreneur or freelancer and entrepreneur and the, sure. the list goes on how would you define that as a basic requirement interesting so i i have like a little basis i go off of i actually learned this in a tony robbins seminar when he was teaching about business mastery and he talked about how there's like three people in business you have the entrepreneur the operator and the artist Right. So the entrepreneur is the guy that loves the process. He loves building things. He'll throw money at things and he will just constantly go at it and like build a business, leave, then build another business and chase another business and chase an opportunity. And that's the excitement for him. And, you know, and he's not really involved in the day to day stuff. I've come to see that there's then the operator who's the guy that's behind the scenes who likes to make everything run really smooth, like get things going, get the processes in. He's all about systems and, and getting things running smooth as butter. And then the last person, which is who I would describe myself as, as an artist. We're the guys that we don't know anything about systems. We hate anything that isn't fun for us. And we are just in love with creating the product, the product and impacting the customers and the consumers. And so like you asked about all those systems before, I, man, I'm a full-on artist. I don't know anything about CRMs, KPIs, 
up until about a year ago, I was still keeping all of my finances in my personal account. And then I switched all my finances (laughs) to my business account. (laughs) And then I have my tax team, like, what the hell did you do after we spent 12 hours fixing that? And uh, I would give myself the artist title. But I think even out of all three of these, I think there's still a level of entrepreneurship in each of them, right? Because we're all going into business. We're all trying to create something and do something even if we just take on a different title, but we're all still there. And I, I think that's really what an entrepreneur is. Somebody who's building something, somebody who's just doing something that isn't there. They're, they're visionary, they're creating, they, they see something that doesn't exist. And, and that takes a high, high level of performance. Like most people can't do that because we get scared when we don't see things, right? We get, we get nervous. It's that uncertainty that drives people to failure. And so the entrepreneur is the guy that's like, I can't see it, but ah, I know it's there. I, I feel it. I can't see it, but I feel it. And I think that's what really makes an entrepreneur. Man, I, I love that answer. And I'm also beginning to love this question. It's only a question that we recently started asking, but I'm beginning to see how it how important it is to collect the definitions, to create a very coherent and clear picture of what is and what is not. Uh, right. And it, it's more inclusive than I at first anticipated. And it's also more diverse in response than I than I thought it would be. I thought after a certain while I would see a pattern uh, mm. in the way people are responding to that question. But it's it's as diverse as the diverse entrepreneurs that come on as guests. So I appreciate you indulging that question. Uh, Before we go any further, I want to take a second to tap into some of Jason's reflections because I feel like he's, he's, he's having a good time. I can tell that. And I'm sure he's got a thought or two specifically about some things that you've mentioned along the way, before we go, before we go into giving a shout out to some of our supporters, I want to check in with Jason. Yeah. So I'm going to tell a story Um, and it's a story about a 19 year old girl. This was, I don't know, probably before you, before you and I met. No, it wasn't because we talked about it before that. So this must have been about four or five months ago. And I get this random call and she's 19 years old. And she goes, I want to be your life coach. And, you know, I was a bit taken back by that. Um, cause I've been a lot of places in the world. I've seen a lot of ugly things, seen a lot of good things, mm-hmm. you know, had a lot of businesses have 13 right now. And I just thought to myself, what I'm confused. <laughs> what, what life have you lived that you could possibly, possibly teach me something? And for a long time, I I, I really, I really kind of like digged her for that, right? But you know, as of late, I've kind of switched a bit of a coin on that um, because I think everybody can teach somebody something, but titles matter, <laughs> right? <laughs> titles do matter, but I think everybody can teach somebody something, no matter what right? We all have a skill set. And I think as entrepreneurs, business owners, CEOs, presidents, whatever the hell you want to call yourself, right? Um, I think we have to focus more on supporting each other as a community 
Mm. Right. Rather than, you know, this singular focus on just what we're doing all the time. Right. And instead, instead create this support structure that it, it is like a big help fest. Right. Cause we've also talked a lot about, you know, as a business owner, you don't need to live on an Island either. And a lot of people do. They live out on an island, they are control freaks, and then they are, you know, they hang on to everything. They don't want to let things go. I know I used to be that person. Um, I used to do it myself. And I think it's interesting work that you're doing from a different perspective in bringing that clinical side into the emotional side of a business owner because it's freaking emotional man i mean (laughs) i i I don't care what anybody says there's days you're just like you want to curl up in a damn corner and just 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 weep like a little baby (laughs) right i mean if if you're a business owner and you ain't been there you're full of shit Cause we've all been there at some point in time where it was just everything went wrong that week or, or that day or whatever. And, and people just have to realize there are people like you out there to turn to. And I think it'd be fantastic if, if there was like a community of that, right. Versus the singularity of it. And a community of that, that could be tapped into in such a larger scale, right? Because like you said, as all of us, we can only affect so many people, right? Mm. So how do you create this community to support that whole thing, right? Which I think that's what you're working on. But but uh, yeah, so it, it's, it, it just fascinates me, the whole human mind and 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 really how jacked up all of us really are most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but, but we hide behind all these things and, and, and so on. So I'm guilty of it. You know, mo- most of us are right. Sure. Then there, there's the imposter syndromes and all these things that business owners go through and I'm not good enough and this, that, and the other. And I, I don't usually ask questions, but I'm going to ask one. And that is, if you were to give a business owner one piece of an of like emotional control advice, right? Mm-hmm. What would that be? Oh man, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this is one. This is one thing I give to business owners. <laughs> taking taking the secrets. All right, we're gonna charge every viewer for this now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So emotions are interesting because you, maybe you've never heard the saying before, but this is a saying that really brought a lot of clarity to me, at least in my practice of what I do with people, is that feelings aren't facts. Feelings are just indicators of something else, right? Our subconscious is always creating definitions. Our subconscious is always on, even while we sleep. That's why, you know, you have those little I am affirmations you can listen to while you sleep. And it's like, I am loved. And you're sleeping and you wake up in the morning, like, oh, I feel so loved today. It's like, yeah, your subconscious was listening to I am loved on repeat. The reality is, is that we create meaning out of everything in life. There's a study that was done. It's really fascinating. 95%, this is the the average, 95% 
of everything we think, say, do, and feel are run in the subconscious. We don't even think about it. It's not conscious. It just straight out. So something happens, you're like, hold on. The brain's brain's like a little guy in a file cabinet. That's how I like to play. It's like, (laughs) ah, if that happens, I got a file. It means anger. Get angry. Boom. And then like you lose your shit. So (laughs) what winds up happening, right? You get the little guy in the file cabinet. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I love that. I'm I'm using that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And so what winds up happening is we got these little guys in file cabinets running around all day in our brain looking to see what we've previously documented each situation means. Emotional control comes in when you start questioning, like, why did that make me angry? What, what, what did that situation mean that got me angry? And then kind of like writing it out, if you want, even journal on that moment. I do this one thing with a lot of clients. I give them um, this format. It's called the D-Load Journal. And I've, I've created this and it's a really cool little format. I, I use this to help uh, back when I worked with people who were suffering from panic attacks and anxiety, like high, high levels of it, I would give them this, this set of questions that would lead from all the way at the top, like trying to build understanding around the situation or the meaning of what just happened, and then slowly transition it question by question to ask now, what can you do? What would be a better thought to have? What could you change the meaning of this situation to be? What if you chose this type of emotion instead of the one you're currently having? And so we get people out of this place where they're out of control because they're focused on all of these things and start slowly bringing it back into their control with really good questions, shifting responsibility from like, this guy cut me off and he's a jerk and now I'm angry to, well, Maybe he didn't cut you off. Maybe his mom's in the hospital and he just got the call. Or maybe his wife got shot. Or maybe his sister's like all alone and going into labor. Because, right, the meaning is, oh, he cut me off. He's a jerk. But what if that's not the correct meaning? What if that's not even the right scenario? And so if we could penetrate those like quick interactions, we could actually give people more emotional mastery. And so that's one of the biggest things I aim to do is like teach interruptions Stop your subconscious from running on autopilot, create higher levels of mindfulness and consciousness, and then transition to taking control for yourself by asking better questions. Man, feelings are not facts. That was, that, <laughs> that's deep. I got to think through everything you just said, because that was pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. And that that's why I'm so glad that you, that you stopped by, because it's just one of those things where I've had the fortune of... of being connected to so many brilliant people who are out there doing good work. And the more I can get them involved on a platform, especially one like ours that specifically has business owners and entrepreneurs listening, listening to this, learning from it, growing from it. It's it's an incredible thing to witness because I've been on many other shows before, but the feedback loop wasn't this close. So I know for certain what you just shared is impactful. So before I, I let people know how to get a hold of you and things of that nature, I, I want I want to also give a shout out to those people who have been a part of the community <laughs> who stepped up and made this show possible by supporting it. And uh, there's two people, right? So the first is Melanie Costan with Stillwater Hemp. It's essentially a Stillwater Hemp is a CBD and self care company, 
right? And they they understand that self-care is a growing practice these days and that CBD is becoming more and more commonplace from face moisturizers to, you know, joint creams, what have you, to even things that you can eat that don't have psychoactive effects. It's all therapeutic. And making that with integrity, uh, premium style, that, that, that takes work, right? But they've done that. They went and they did the work to build the company to do that for you. And they even kept in mind some of your furry family members. As some of you know, some dogs have a lot of anxiety. But if you're also not into anything about that, they do also have products that don't have any CBD in it that are still serving some of the similar functions. And the best part is they're both in person and online. And they even work with people who want a private label. And you have access to all that with a warm introduction if you tell them you actually heard about them on this show by going to stillwaterhemp.com using the code WARROOM for 10%. Or if you're looking to private label, they'll even give you $100 off your first order if you tell them that you heard about them on this show because that's why they're supporting it. It's it's better to give to the people that you know are going to do something with it. And that's what's happening there. Second person that we want to give a shout out to before we get back to Vincent here is Kelly Gordon with Cyberpreneur Inferno. And this is interesting, right? Because what we're looking at here with Cyberpreneur Inferno is an entire collective of people who have put together processes, systems, accountability that you might need to get things going. So you yourself could put in countless hours because you thought, oh, I'm going to start an agency and that's going to give me more money and more freedom only to find yourself with less money and less freedom. Well, they put together at least the systems and processes you would need, and most importantly, the accountability to set aside all those mistakes and all that pain from being that person and just being a part of something. And you can join this collective by going to get.cyberpreneurinferno.com forward slash 4x4 method, right? That's the four by four method. And put in War Room 15, get 15% off, and you get to be a part of something that will help you prevent that burnout. That being said, Vincent here, as you've been listening to this conversation, has laid out what kind of offer, what kind of value he's bringing in, but he hasn't necessarily told us what he's up to lately. So Vincent, what have you been up to lately and where can people go and connect with you to learn more? All right. Awesome. So Jason was hinting at one thing I'm up to lately. The cat is out of the bag. I'm actually creating (laughs) for now, I'm launching a big mastermind community which is going to be solely for entrepreneurs, CEOs, C-suite, high-level management, founders of startups, and any other entrepreneur or business owner, be it small or large cap. I really want to create massive value for the entrepreneur community. And one of the biggest things is I have a goal to impact 1 billion people on this planet. So although I love doing my one-to-one private coaching, and that is always going to be something I thoroughly cherish, I need to start getting out there and doing more speaking. And so I'm working on my speaking, I'm working on my masterminds, and this is really where I'm going to be looking to provide a lot more value now. People can go and find me on my website. It's uh, vincentinfanti.life, right? Because life coach. (laughs) Or you could find me on Instagram, vin.infanti, LinkedIn, it's vininfanti on there too, I think. (laughs) But I'm pretty much everywhere. If you search me, you'll find all sorts of things, newspaper articles, cool podcasts like this. And uh, you could see if anything else I say makes sense before you you come and try and see how you could work with me. <laughs> right on, man. No, I love it. And and I, uh, I am excited that you're planning to do that. I know that people who are listening to this would love to see you be more involved in what we're doing because we are a community too. And we'll probably talk about that post-call. But 
man, it really has been a pleasure catching up again. Uh, when I first spoke to you, I got a chance to dive into that and, you know, we focused on some things, but what we touched on here is just massively different. And that's what I love about the fact that, you know, you could have a podcast on one show and people will ask you certain questions and it leads to certain things. And I already did a show with you. And yet we still somehow tapped into new things that we hadn't tapped into before, even though we're the same people. And, and I think a lot of the credit also goes to the fact that we've got Jason here and we built this community and the audience is different and the list goes on. But it really is fascinating just what is possible by just having an honest conversation about where things are and where you're coming from. And I appreciate that. Uh, with that said, it is tradition around here for Jason to close this out. So I'm going to let him do that. Uh, but before we do that, we have one grand finale question that's a tradition here. Everybody has to answer this. And that is, if you could have invited anybody to the show today, any point, place, time in the world, who would you have loved to have had here and why? Man, I'm hesitant because I think I might have said this on Entrepreneur Podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to still go, if, if I already said it, I'm going to go with Marcus Aurelius again. I'm a big fan of stoicism. I actually believe that stoicism, I don't know if it's confirmed. I do, however, believe that stoicism is the foundation of self-mastery and probably to some degree, psychology. So Marcus Aurelius were known as the world's best stoic because he combined high levels of stoicism with high levels of humanity, which actually made him a very powerful leader. And he was Rome's greatest leader. And I've read a lot of his stuff. I've read meditations. I have quotes of his on my on my mission board, uh, big, big fan would love to have a few good conversations with him and just, man, dig into that mind. He's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you, man. I, I remember reading uh, Obstacle of the Way. That's how I first heard about it through uh, Ryan Holiday and how we just talked about how lucky we are to have had uh, what was presumably one of the greatest leaders ever actually write his thoughts down, you know, yeah. and sure, you know, like, like no one is perfect. Like anyone else, he had his own humanity that he was dealing with, uh, you know, whether it's you struggling to figure out what you're going to do between you and your partner or whatever arguments, but that's, that's besides the point beyond the fact that when it comes to being a leader at large and controlling yourself under great circumstances where he might've been leading an army or Lord knows what a whole country, a whole nation, right? That's where you start to get into that level of like Machiavellian thinking and how you have to, right? Or as you would, I think it's even older actually is this idea of stoicism and how to, you know, keep yourself in, in place, which is not that far removed from the work that you're doing today, except mm -hmm. you, you have, verified you've got a, you've got years like a decade of actual practice and clinical on top of what you're now building with the work that you're doing with professionals at all levels so it all just ties in together and it makes me happy to know that that's that's somewhere where you're rooted in because it just makes sense and it's like you said if you're not doing that and working out and all those other things you know you then how can you claim that you're going to go and prescribe that to somebody else. So I really appreciate you, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk. Uh, with that said, I'm going to turn it over to Jason to close us out. But man, it's good to talk to you again. Thanks, man. Yeah, great. Well, you know, I always, I always close with this. There's 168 hours in a week. And uh, thanks for stopping by for 36 minutes and <laughs> taking that time with us today to drop some real good stuff right and uh not everybody does that not everybody actually shares the value part um I, there was some stake in that today not just sizzle 
And thank you for doing that. Somebody, if you didn't get anything out of that, you're an asshole. So, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Vin didn't have to go hard, but he did. Right. Yeah, he, he decided to drop absolutely. the value. We should be lucky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so thanks for doing that because not everybody's so willing to do that. And it's great having you on the show. Appreciate you being here, and uh, look forward to the next engagement. Thank you. I appreciate right you guys having me. Yeah, man. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.